Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of NASCAR Radio. Uh, this is episode number 26. I'm your pal, Val. Uh, got a short little intro here for you. I don't uh, want to take up too much of your time, but this week we have Prism 2020 releasing for racing, and Gray Galding will be running in the Roval for Charlotte, actually the Xfinity and the Cup race. And like before, Panini and Gray Galding got together to do a Zoom call Q&A for fans. It was posted on the Twitter page for Gray Galding and Gray Galding's Instagram feed. So if you're not following him on either one of those platforms, I would recommend it. I was able to get in on that um, Zoom call, record the audio for you in case you didn't make it. It was a great interview put on by Panini with uh, Jason and Tracy. Also, uh, going forward for the rest of the year, uh, I apologize for not having the podcast. There's been a lot of stuff going on. This is not my primary job, so uh, it's when I have free time that I'm able to do this. But I'll make the promise that I will do a podcast each of the week here for the remainder of the season. It's getting really good. We have the Roval, like I said, this weekend. We go from 12 playoff drivers down to eight, and uh, we will recap that. Prism is, is releasing today. I got a quick look at the checklist. It was posted last night. Uh, Haley Deegan's in it, and some of the rookies that were in 2020 Chronicles uh, also make an appearance in Prism, which is awesome. So next week, uh, we'll break down the playoff drivers, their cards. We'll review uh, the Prism checklist. I don't know if I'll have a box to break in time for that show or not, but we can uh, do deep dive and also look at the Chronicles rookies. I think uh, Chronicles has a lot of opportunity. I've seen the prices dropped a little bit since the original release uh, price, so um, have not had an opportunity to break any Chronicles yet. But, but again, thanks, everybody, for listening, uh, for liking the podcast. If you uh, would leave a review, it would help me, um, will help others find the show, share NASCAR trading card knowledge. So uh, without further ado, here is the Zoom call with Greg Dalding and Panini and the other lucky fans that were able to participate in the Zoom call. Greg, how are you? What's up, Jason? What's happening, brother? You're gearing up, getting ready for tomorrow night. and uh, Yeah, man, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited. We um, road racing, I mean, just to kind of make it quick, but it's one of my favorites. I love it. So I've been, I've circled this. I mean, I remember um, before we signed our deal early in the year, I'm like, remember I told you, I'm like, Jason, we got to have the rope. So uh, I'm pretty pumped up. So, yeah, it's going to be fun doing double duty. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. Good. So, uh, guys, welcome. Uh, Glad to have you all on board here. excited to uh get a chance to talk to gray uh as we've navigated through this crazy season uh you know coming up on these races here in charlotte here on uh saturday and sunday will be real good and then obviously the release of our prism racing product tomorrow which is just absolute fire if you haven't seen it on our blog uh take a look at it um it'll be live in hobby stores and uh in our online store tomorrow and then obviously at walmart 
um, and target in the next 10 or 10, 10 to 12 days or so, depending on how quickly they can get it on the shelf. So um, with that, we'll just kick off. Uh, great. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, this season. Um, you know, is, how's it been? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, no, it's been, like you said a second ago, it's been a, it's been a wild year. I mean, to say the least with the pandemic and, you know, NASCAR being shut down for a few months and then we got back racing, we were racing twice a week. So it's been a, it's been a hectic season, but I mean, for me, you know, just to, just to be back semi-normal, not completely normal, obviously people still social distancing and all that, but um, to do, you know, to do what NASCAR did to get racing back, to be able to actually catch up and have the season on the correct schedule is uh, I got to tip my hat to them. So it's been a fun year. You know, last year was a you know a little bit different running full time, but this, you know, this year uh, myself and obviously everyone at Panini and Panini, you know, stepping up to go to the next level and to go and go in the cup series with premium motorsports and Rick Ware racing. It's been, it's been a great learning curve. And I, and I tell you, I've really enjoyed running the cup cars. The cup cars is, really fits my driving style. And I feel like we've had some really good results, you know, um, as maybe, or, you know, you guys might know, might not know, but you know, us being a smaller race team, those top 25s, top 30 finishes, those go a long way for us. And you understand we're racing against the best of the best, uh, every given Sunday. So, uh, to show up and run a limited schedule, but still get good results, uh, getting good results in the Xfinity series, you know, finishing second at Daytona, um, you know, it's been uh, it's been a, it's been a good year, a lot of momentum. But I'm really excited about this weekend to to kind of keep it rolling and and one of our last ones of the year. So hope, hopefully we can go out with a bang. Talk about just the process getting into that mindset, especially with the protocols where you're not really able to hang around the track too much, and obviously no fans in the you know or mostly no fans in the you know at the track. What's that been yeah. like? No, it's been uh, to be honest with you, it's been. I, I've never missed the fans more than I have this season, you know, and you hate to say it, but sometimes you, you kind of take for granted how much, you know, we, we know the drivers, we all love the fans and we, we really appreciate their support and what they do without the fans. There is no show. There is no race because they're the ones that keep this sport going week in and week out and year after year. Um, but you know, to race in front of no one, the beginning of the year, absolutely nobody that was like the craziest experience that I've ever felt like that never, that doesn't even happen growing up when I was racing like little, you know, Saturday night shows locally. Like there might still only be a hundred people, but there's still, you're still racing in front of someone, but to absolutely have zero is, is unbelievable. So uh, something I'll definitely never forget because you'd never, if someone would have told me, you know, eight months or a year ago that next year we'd be racing with no fans, no people in the garage area, everyone's going to be wearing masks. I mean, I would have said you're crazy, but obviously that's what happened, but it was, it's for good reason though, you know, trying to keep people safe and, and I get all that, but um, to have the, a little bit of, you know, a small amount of fans back really means a lot, but um, yeah, I, it's so weird. I haven't touched a Sharpie all year. Like normally before I leave the hauler, like I'm given like three things. I get my water, you know, my ear, my earplugs and a Sharpie to sign autographs going to the car. So I think for me, you know, not picking up a Sharpie and signing autographs going to my car is like the craziest thing. But all in all, though, it's um, it, it, it was for good reason. So we're back racing, and I really think we did the best with everything going on in the world that we possibly could. So uh, definitely a wild change. Mm -hmm. 
Well, the good news is is that we've we've kind of kept kept your hand and your signature, you know, steady. Because oh, I know you guys got that covered. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. The Panini cards. They. Uh, I've got. I get enough work out with the right hand a little bit. There you go. There you go. And and uh, you signed some cards uh, for our Panini Prism products. Uh, we sent you a couple of pictures of that last night of some of the cards that'll be going live here tomorrow. What do you think? Oh man, I love it. I mean, obviously, I tell people all the time, and I don't say that just because you know you're my sponsor. But you guys go to the next level. I, I sometimes I look at cards like from last year and the year before. I'm like, man, these are these are pretty sexy looking cards. Like I don't know how you how do you get much better than that. But you guys continue. Um, I mean, obviously, all you viewers on right now, y'all understand how how great Panini is when it comes to you know really going to the next level each time a, a new set of cards comes out. So. Uh, definitely really glad to be a part of it. And I know um, all the drivers, you know, I, I when I had the, uh, the meeting with Joey Logano last year in Vegas, you know, we talked a little bit about it, how Panini really sets the bar and there's really no one else that's that's close to that. So you guys have done a great job. I'm really excited for the fans um, to see the new cards and see, you know, get their take on it. But I look forward to having some fans back next year so I can sign them and uh, I can sign them in person. And, and I really hope everyone enjoys them because I know I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased, but I mean, the, the card that I like the most out of that Prism Racing product is obviously the 27 Panini car. I mean, not just. Oh, looking, yeah. I, I saw that on the gallery yesterday and I started texting Tracy and Scott and Gina going like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, dude. I agree 100 percent. No offense. It's the car. It's not you. It does say your name under it. So we're good. <laughs> but, but yeah, honestly, I will have to say the Panini car probably is the best looking car out there over them all. So we uh, the design team did a good job this year and it looks good on the card. Yeah, cool. T, I'm going to uh, hand it to you so you can uh, ask a couple questions here and then we'll open it up and we've got some other things to talk about too. So, Sounds good. Great. What's up, man? What's up, brother? How's it going? It's been too long since we've been together on, on some media calls, man. Yeah, I know, man. Hey, I told Jason, I said, hey, we got it handled, man. We did it. That was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it, brother. Before I ask you these questions, I want to point out Val Mars' jacket. Val and King NASCAR Logan Ward right there are two of the biggest NASCAR collectors on the planet. Um, so thank you all for being here. Val always brings the white jacket and the checkered flag shirt. Solid, nice. solid ensemble. Um, and Logan, I'm glad you could finally make one of these. Um, so great, look, we know you really well. We've been through, through a bunch of different events together. Um, but I don't know that we've ever gotten to know you like kind of um, informally. So I got a, just a list of your favorites and i want to know just off the top of your head yeah. what comes to mind as your favorite when i ask them you cool with that absolutely man shoot away all right let's go favorite movie oh favorite movie top gun by far i knew that was maverick it. you know actually i got a funny story with that movie top gun is uh it's actually my helmet my helmet is maverick i i've ran that helmet for like seven years now and that's kind of kind of my, I guess my trademark now, like I, it's something I, you know, it's every week, you know, and I, and I don't, and I don't, I don't change it. And when uh, we got a bulldog, I named him Maverick. So clearly Top Gun is number one. That's awesome. Uh, favorite TV show. Favorite TV show. Um, I'd have to say, 
I'd have to say two and a half man. That's pretty funny. I, I, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, uh, Charlie Sheen, he like some of the stuff he says, it's like the funniest stuff. Ever. I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, I'd have to go two and a half man. Your favorite Christmas gift? Oh, favorite Christmas. Well, actually, my favorite Christmas gift was this past year. I picked up playing guitar, and my the guitar I had prior was not very good. Um, and I started learning a little bit, but it was good for me to like cut my teeth and learn the chords and kind of learn. Well, um, my parents, obviously they're like, all right, we'll, we'll figure something out. So they got me a brand new Mitchell guitar, which is a pretty nice brand and it hooks up to an amp and everything. So, uh, I've been, I've been picking that thing for, uh, for a while now, but yeah, definitely my favorite, the guitar. Okay. Uh, your favorite cartoon. Favorite cart. Oh, Tom and Jerry. I used to sit, I remember me and my sisters, we would sit there for hours and, you know, Tom and Jerry don't, they don't say anything. Uh You know, you just, you kind of, you kind of just watch them, right? You know, Tom, Jason, Jerry, or, you know, for us growing up, that was always our thing. It was like, my sisters loved Disney Channel, but it was always Cartoon Network for me with Tom and Jerry. Uh, Your favorite book? Favorite book? I'd have to say the um, for me the, the Tim Tebow book was really good. I'm to be quite honest, I'm not a big book reader, but I'm kind of one of those people. Like even in school, like I, I was the t- I was the kid in school. As I got older, I started to read more. But when I was a kid, I had the same book the whole year. It was my my library had one racing book. We only had one. Well, every time you know, as a kid, you go back and you you read it for a week, and then you go back. I just kept reading it over and over, and I liked looking at, you know, they had pictures like the inside of the cars. So in like the fourth, fifth grade, I had the same book for an entire year because we didn't have many racing books in Virginia. So I was like, well, man, I, I want to read racing. You know, I like the racing part. Uh, so I did that, but as I got older, I started to read more, and uh, the Tim Tebow book was really good. I mean, just like his background, obviously his faith, and, you know, what it takes to, to be on top of your game, at you know at on the football field and then away but still able to you know spend time with family still be normal i thought that was a really really intriguing book and and i love learning about different athletes in in the world of of, of sports Any that's, chance probably, that's probably tracy's third favorite person after john elway and greg alding so FYI. oh there you go okay so i picked a good one then so he's a bronco great elway now they're neck and neck right now <laughs> Have you ever listened to an audio book while racing a car? An audio book while racing a car? No, never. No, honestly, I wouldn't be mad. I couldn't listen to a book like uh, I think or what was that? A Ricky Bobby Talladega Night where he's actually reading the book. Like I, you know, you can't you can't get away with that in real life. Uh, I wish you could listen to music, but with the spotter and everything going on, I mean, I don't think listening to a book would be too good at 200 miles per hour. All right, that's funny. I'm glad you mentioned music. What's your favorite type of music? Definitely classic rock. I, I feel like I'm kind of like the one percenter. You know, the kids nowadays that are you know 19, 20, 21, 22. I'm only 22, but I don't really listen to the. I, I mean, I love all types of music, right? I, I like country, I like pop, but I, I'm a I'm a big guy on you know ACDC, Def Leppard. Uh, Dave Matthews band like I, I mean I could go on for I that's all I listen to I, even like Neil Young and and uh, the guys back in the day you know uh, Johnny Cash is a big big I'm a big fan of his he actually had a really good movie that came out on him um, I think it was like oh five it's one of my favorite movies also but you know I'm just not I'm not really into it I'm, I'm not really into the new stuff and I know rap is very popular right now which 
I can do it, but if I'm sitting in my car going to the racetrack or on a little road trip, I mean, I can promise you the windows are, you know, down and I'm, I'm cranking some ACD highway to hell and, and all that type of stuff like that. That is so my thing. So oh, definitely so easy to get pumped up to. That's so great. All right. Just a few more that I'll, I'll throw it back to the, to the masses. Um, your favorite Halloween costume of all time. Oh man. I, uh, I got a couple of them. I was Woody from toy story when I was real young, but as I got older, I went on this streak of, I was a motocrosser. I was a racer every year. Like that was my thing. I had my helmet. This is back when I was running motorcycles. I had the boots. I mean, I looked like I was straight off the racetrack, which, you know, most kids, they might switch it up every now and then, but I think I went like eight straight years as a racer. Like everyone knew, like, I remember being in school. They're like, Hey, you know, the teacher would be like, Hey, what's everybody going to be this year? Well, he would look, he would look at me or she would look at me and be like, Gray, we know what you're going to be. You're a racer again. <laughs> this year. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But when I was, I think I was like, I switched it up one year. This is like right before I got old enough to kind of think, all right, it's not really cool to dress up anymore. I was Tony Romo for one year. Obviously, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So I had I had the black on my face. The, the I mean, I, I had the jersey, the shoes. I mean, I never played football in my life, but I love Tony Romo. Played him all the time on Madden. So I'm like, I got to go as Tony Romo at least one year. So that was definitely one of the one of the, the, the end costumes. It's a very wise choice, by the way. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I dressed up as Tony Romo last year. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like I love him. Five. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. What did your teachers say when you finally decided to change it up? Well, they were pretty blown away, actually, because, like I said, I think it was like eight straight years of being a motocross racer. So when when kids saw me, like I would go out with my buddies and we would trick or treat around the neighborhood, and the school would do something. They couldn't believe that I that I switched it up one year, so like they, they would they were blown away because they're like, "Oh, Gray, are you gonna like are you you're not racing anymore?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm still racing. I just just wanted to switch it up a little bit." I think we should make a card with Gray as Tony Romo. That would be oh gosh, <laughs> oh gosh, that no, that would be something. I, I, I still got the same jersey. I still fit in it. So I I didn't grow a whole lot from like middle school, so it still fits. So we could do. I'm something. sure Dwayne. Or your mother might have a photograph or two of that that we might be able to Oh, see. yeah, I'm sure. I, trust me, my parents, they took pictures of everything. First day of school, costumes. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they got it. Trust me. Hey, Tracy, we need to get that jersey and cut it up and make little Ooh. swatches of uh, him, <laughs> yeah. him, a picture of him as Romo. And then we'll yes. cut up the jersey and make little swatch cards. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's select cards. It was only one year, so there's a little history to it, yeah. You do a card oh, with good. Gray, Patrick Mahomes, and Tony Romo Oh, now that would be something. I don't know. I don't know if Patrick would like that too much, but I still root for the Chiefs. Trust me. I, everyone asks her like, well, how do you like the Cowboys? But you like, you know, the Chiefs. But, you know, you got to root for the guy that was on the car and that was a Super Bowl champ. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. We'd have to see what Patrick thinks on that one. Well, there's, we got Robo in the crowd. Okay, uh, two more just real quick ones. Who was your favorite teacher growing up? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, You know, I tell you – I wouldn't say I was the teacher's pet, but, you know, because I was kind of the class clown, you know, goofing off. But I um, I feel like I was a really good student to all my teachers. There, there was never there was never a teacher that I'm like, man, I can't stand her or I can't stand. I always got along with all my teachers, and, and I'd have to say I was blessed. I had a lot of great teachers. But if I, if I had to pick one, I would definitely pick my fifth grade. It was my only male teacher in elementary school. And once again, like I said, I don't, you know, I – 
if I hopefully none of them are on here, but you know, <laughs> I, I did, I truly did love them all. They were great. But Mr. But his name was Mr. Byington and he was an old man. He was an older, older guy, obviously very intelligent. Um, he, uh, he, you know, he looked like the guy in up. Have you ever seen the movie up? With the big, the big glasses, kind of short. That is the saddest <laughs> beginning to any movie ever made. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, so he looked like those guys that were v- very grumpy all the time. Very, like just you know, just he, the first time I had, the first couple of days I had him, I'm like, I tell, I remember telling my buddies, I'm like, man, this is gonna be a long year. Like he, he, he doesn't look like very friendly. But as we got to, as the year went on, I really think he took a liking to me, and and I really took a lot. I really respected him. You know, if kids were goofing around or, you know, not t- paying attention in which I didn't pay attention, you know, as much as I should have in school. Uh, but I, re- I respected him on a different level to be like, man, like he's really counting on us to do well. And I and I wanted to he was like he's like a driver and a crew chief. The, here's an, like an analogy is like you really want to impress your crew chief. That's the number one thing as a driver. And for the first time, I'm like, as a student, like, uh, man, like I gotta impress this guy. Like, what do I gotta do to to make him smile? And I think that's why we respected each other so much. And and uh, I remember being as a kid, I missed a lot of Fridays having to uh, go racing because I was still living in Virginia at the time. He was so cool about me leaving and and having to, you know, he knew that was my dream. You know, he knew that. Gray's number one is 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 racing in his head, but my parents always told me school's number one, which I told them, yeah, but realistically, I mean, I was drawing pictures of race cars in school, you know, like I, I wanted to be at the racetrack, but my teacher was so great about let me do my work beforehand, and um, I thought we just had a really good relationship. So I I haven't heard much, but I hope he's still living, but um, if I ever got to see him again today, I'd love to have him at a race because he, he was a big part of why I was able to do what I did, uh, you know, missing school. That's awesome. And then one final favorite for me. What's the favorite thing or saying that you want to hear in your headset when you're on the track? Oh, oh man. Um, that's, you know, I have to go back to, to my favorite movie, Top Gun. I feel the need, the need for speed. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's right up my alley, you know. Um, I, I, I That's saying, and obviously, Days of Thunder is another favorite of mine. You know, uh, I'm going through the smoke, Harry, like when he holds it wide open and misses the big wreck. I can relate to that because I've been fortunate enough, knock on wood, that I've missed nine times out of ten of the big ones at Daytona and Talladega. So, yeah, there's a couple good quotes, but it's hard not to go with Tom Cruise. He's he, The movies he's in, especially Days of Thunder and Top Gun, are probably my favorite by far. Awesome. Um all right, that's really all the favorites I had, Jay. Hey, I love that though, man. That was great. I, awesome. you know, because like you said, a lot of people don't they don't get to know me to that level. You know what exactly. I mean? Because it's you know, so that was that was cool. I appreciate awesome. it. That was perfect. Awesome. Good deal. Well, we'll we'll bring it back to racing. We'll open it up to a couple of questions here. But before we get there, um, what what do you think of the schedule for next season? They started they released the cup races, so you kind of have a sense of where you know the Xfinity races will also be next year as well. Uh, what do you what do you think about it? I think it's great. You know, um, NASCAR. I feel like, especially the last couple of years, they're they're really trying to mix it up a little bit. You know, as far as the some of the tracks that might not have as much action, I feel like they might be trying to get away from, which is fine. It's great for the fans. You know, the Roval came in two years ago when when they released that. People were like, "What? You know, what the heck are we doing? What are they doing?" 
but it's turned out to be one of the best races of the year. So it's hard to it's hard to really go against what they're doing. But I love that there's six road courses now. We'll be having six road races. I think road racing puts on some of the best shows. Um, and the only other thing that I'm on the fence about is the dirt at Bristol. You know, it is. This is cup racing. You know, and 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 I and I think NASCAR is just trying to switch it up and and get something different, but. You know, I personally think NASCAR should stick to pavement because we're stock car drivers. Now, if it was the all-star race, that's one thing, but it's a points race. So you're you're going to see a lot of these professional drivers and cup drivers. They're going to have to go do some dirt. Like, they're going to have to go test on a dirt track because a lot of us has never ran dirt. I've ran one dirt race in my entire life in a car. Now, I grew up racing, you know, motorcycles, but obviously it's way different. But there's going to be – it's going to be different. It's going to be very different. So – um other than that, though, I think the schedule is great. Obviously, starting off with the Super Bowl, racing the 500, then going to Homestead. I think it's more economical for the teams to not have to go from because this year it was Daytona to Vegas, you know, in you know a seven-day span, which was tough. So, um, you know, it's it's all good, honestly. Anywhere we race, I'm I'm excited. There's not really a track I don't like. So, uh, when I saw it, I was pretty pleased. <laughs> Is there one one track on the schedule that you just looked at and were like, oh yeah, that's going to be a great one? Oh, for sure. For me, it's Martinsville and Bristol. The the short tracks are my favorite, and even the Roval. Like, like I said earlier, I had the Roval scheduled on my schedule from the get go. I, I I really I ran really well there last year. I should have finished sixth there last year, and got wrecked with like two laps to go, um, which for our little team that was a that was a big deal because. I didn't, you know, that was our, you know, like third road course race together ever. So, um, and that was my first time at the Robles. I had no experience in very limited practice because we had a problem in practice, but we fixed it. And I started dead last because we had a problem in qualifying. So, you know, when, as a driver though, when you go to those type of racetracks, you know, once again, you have those scheduled from the get go. And I think there's a lot of drivers that prefer the big tracks, the short tracks, the intermediates. But I really prefer the speedways and the short tracks. I think I think for the fans, they put on the best show. And I think as a driver, it's it's you're on your toes every lap. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, but that just evens the playing field for the little guys. You know, I've been an underdog my whole career. Uh, but when you go to those little tracks, it's more in the driver driver's hands. Cool. All right. Um, I'm going to uh, open it up to some questions. I'm just going to go across the list based, based on who I have on my screen. So... Um, All right. We're going to kick it off with uh, Logan. Hey, Gray. How's it going, buddy? Hey, what's up? How's it going? Thanks for coming on. It's going good, man. So when you're not racing, uh, what other hobbies do you have? Uh, no, that's a good question. I uh, When I'm not racing, I think my favorite thing is, uh, once again, I love playing guitar. It's like one of my favorite things, especially now. I've been playing for like almost a year now, and it's, it's so addicting. Once you get, once you learn a few chords, it's like you feel like you want to be in a rock band now. Like it's, it's taken over my life. I'm, I'm sorry about my neighbors, but it's, it's uh, definitely my favorite. But I'd have to say my second favorite. I love playing golf. Uh, golf is, is one of those sports. I, I kind of compare it to racing. It's, it's I, I think for me, it's, it's the closest sport that is like an emotional roller coaster as racing. You know. Take Kurt Busch for an you know instance. He won at Vegas and got in the big crash the next week at Talladega. You know last week, so it just shows the highs and lows. And then you know with golf, I can get a birdie on the first hole and the second hole. I can get a triple bogey. You know, so it really it really tests your mind. And I think it's almost like 
like good training almost for me. I, I enjoy it for the game, but it's almost good emotional training because you'll have some holes where I, I'll play good the first nine and then the second nine I might struggle, but your mind has to program itself to say, forget the last shot, forget what happened on the last hole, time to regroup and, and get after it. So I, I get pretty competitive with it. Um, I'm not no scratch golfer, you know, like a 10 handicap, but when I'm out there, you people think I play. I'm playing for the Masters because I'm so competitive. Uh, but it's it's just a really good tool for me to get out there. It's quiet. It's nice. You know, nice weather, and um, you know, just hit the sticks. Cool. Awesome. Great. We're gonna uh, hand it off to Val. Val. Hey, you uh, had to unmute there. <laughs> um, thanks, Jason and Tracy, for doing this, and, and as well uh, to you, Gray. Um, yes, sir. So. I know you've been racing for a while. Um, do you have uh, someone you, lo- you look up to as a mentor and, and also second part, um, is there somebody that you that you have a mentee that uh, somebody you're uh, that's, uh, coming to you for advice? Um, yeah, great question. I think, I think for me growing up, it was always, you know, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. Like I, I idolized those guys. Like I, you know, when I started racing stock cars, I, those are the first guys I, I looked at. Like, you know, just from from the type of people they are on and off the track, I really respected that. Jimmy John, Jeff's the same way, but I, 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 Jimmy Johnson, I thought, like, you know, family guy. He's one of the – He's they call him the GOAT, which I think he's the GOAT, to win five straight. I mean, that's tough to beat in this era. Um, but just the way he handles himself. And, and I'll never forget – when I first got to Cup, when I, I had just turned 19 years old, I signed a Cup deal when I was 18, ran my first race when I was 19, and I was the new kid on the block. Didn't have a whole lot of experience other than truck and Xfinity, and I kind of got thrown to the wolves, which I loved it because I was racing against the best of the best. I, I'll never forget, I talked to Jimmy Johnson at Martinsville, and it was like we had known each other like for 10 years. And I'm, and I'm sitting here thinking, I remember sitting on the couch – with my dad and my grandpa and my family just idolizing him and, and wanting to be like him and win races and, and just be that the next top guy. And now, you know, 10 years later, me and him are talking, racing against each other in the same race. So uh, definitely look up to Jimmy. He's a great mentor to me. But I'd say another guy would, would be my, my main that I've gotten more on a personal day-to-day connection and and you know talking about life not just racing life in general would be bobby dotter bobby dotter uh, was a former former driver but he's been a team owner for you know 20 plus years now me and him or we just have that relationship because i drove for him last year he's my team owner you know we have that relationship that if he has a problem or, or he thinks you know something's going on he's the first one to, to come up to me and and that's why i respect him so much because me and bobby you know, we, I grew up, you know, knowing him. He was one of the first people I ever met when I moved to North Carolina to chase his NASCAR dream. And then to drive for him, almost make the playoffs, almost win a race. Like that was like a dream come true uh, for me and him. And um, even though I don't drive for him now, I drove for him a couple times this year. We finished second at Daytona. But if I'm in the area, I just stop, I just stop at his shop. And even if I don't even have to go to a shop, I just go there just so I can chit chat with him. And a couple weeks ago, all the guys left. I showed up a little bit late. Me and him sat there and talked to, uh, until 8 o'clock at night, and I didn't even know it was 8 o'clock at night. So he's definitely someone I respect, and and um, and I really, really cherish our relationship. But part of your other question about me you know, being a mentor for others, you know, guys you know, up in the sport, 
there's been a few kids that have, you know, kind of come up to me and, and before NASCAR that, that I, uh, would love to help out. I love, I just love helping other drivers and cause I've been in their shoes, but I think the main thing for me is just being the best role model I can be. It's all about being a, a good role model to the, to, to the guys coming up because I'm not going to be in the cup series forever. You know, there's going to be, there's guys behind me that are going to be coming up and they're going to have to keep the torch going. So the best thing I can do is be the best, you know, human, human being and, and, and professional I can on any given week. And I, and I try to do that day in and day out. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Uh, Wesley, you're a big, a big fan. Um, thank you Thanks. first Panini, for doing this. This is awesome. I didn't think I was going <laughs> to get picked for this, but anyway, um, you kind of touched on it. Um, you said, you know, the super bowl of racing is that first, the D 500. Do you think that is like awesome to start with the biggest race or is there kind of a letdown in the middle since you start off with the bang, whereas, you know, all other sports or baseball, it's the world series at the end, Super Bowl, and so forth at right. the end. Do you think it's kind of a, like, yeah, get right into it. And then there's kind of a letdown until you get to, you know, the points and so forth. Man, I can I can so relate to that question for sure. I mean, it's definitely different. You know, like you said, football, the Super Bowl being last, the World Series. You know, I I don't know if that will ever happen, but I wouldn't mind it to be you know the last race or you know the or yeah the last race of the year. But the way I look at it also is that last race Daytona is such a it's a crapshoot, right? You know, it, you don't never know who's going to win that race. And I think the history of being in February, of starting off the year, saying, all right, everyone's gotten their, their Daytona 500 cars ready for the offseason. That's, I think, my favorite thing is you have all winter to massage on that, that Daytona 500 car because that's the biggest race. That's the, that is the number one race that every driver wants to win. And I think it, it's more, you know, as you see behind us, you know, with the cars getting, you know, having two months to prepare, I think every crew chief – will push every single limit because they know, okay, this is, this is what we're going to go try to win the biggest race in the world in right here. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I think it's just the, I'm a more traditional guy and I love history, right? I love history. That race is in February. Every year you got all 200,000 fans that show up, you know, they make a speed weeks out of it. I like that. And, and, and I, if it stays like that, great. But, you know, you look at some other races is like the Brickyard this year. I was a little bit let down because of the new schedule. Like the Brickyard to me is I want to win on the Oval. The, that, I mean, the, the Brickyard 400, the history of that Oval is goes right in with Daytona being the most historic racetracks in the world. Not, you know, not in the country, in the world. And when they made the Brickyard now a road course race, I think it just it just took the history out of it, you know, and. And I understand what, what NASCAR is trying to do, but me, once again, I'm, I'm a traditional guy, and I was a little, a little upset about that. But once again, I think the Daytona 500 is always going to be the traditional Daytona 500, and when we start off the year with it, heck yeah, I love it. So great question, though, man. I, I, I can relate. I know where you're coming from. Same here. No, I love that it's the first race because it's like it gets you into that mindset. Well, of, you got also yeah. you got you got two months. Like even as a fan, you got two months of building up saying. All right, you know, counting down the days to Daytona 500, and then when that Sunday hits, you're behind the TV or you're up in the grandstand. You watch every second of that race, so it's pretty Absolutely. cool. Absolutely, good it's stuff, good. man. Keep doing you. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate. it. Glad you got picked, man. That's awesome. Thanks for being on. Yeah, 
Yeah, great question. Um, you know, it's funny to, to Wesley's point on, on the Daytona 500, I started to think about the Kentucky Derby and how people get so amped up and that's literally the first horse race of the season. Yeah. It's not even the, the top horses. It's the, you know, the babies for lack of a better definition. And then you get to the Breeders' Cup in October and November, but you know, still similar thing. You get that vibe, that buzz, that hype that people just get so excited about. And I think, you know, to, to Wesley's point, that Daytona 500 race, man, it's like, it's almost like the first sign of spring, right? Like you just get oh, yeah. up like, oh yeah, we're here. We're out of the, we're out of the winter. Oh, um, for sure. And just the energy that comes off that race. I'll never forget quick story. Like, you know, when I ran my first Daytona 500 in 2018, I will never forget, you know, looking up in the grandstands when they announced my name to go across the stage i, I like I, I mean i'm getting chills thinking about it now like that's something that i looked my whole life to do was run that race and i was able to do it as a teenager but to do it and then look up in the grandstands and be like there's two hundred thousand people screaming right now for us to to and and i'm one of 40 that they're screaming for so it's you know it really gets the blood flowing for the first race of the year there's no doubt about that awesome asher you're up hey gray how are you doing hey what's up man thanks for coming on today man hey. Appreciate it. yeah thanks for taking the time i'm just wondering you mentioned about the charlotte roval being such a wild card race would you compare that to a super speedway like talladega or daytona or do those two stand above no absolutely i you, you, it's it's hard not to put the roval in that category and the reason why is is because the roval is one of those tracks there's there's not a whole lot of passing zones and you know you can you can get yourself in trouble very quick and and another thing is when when you come when you come out i think it's turn seven when you go up on the banking in one and two right before you get on the backstretch hairpin i mean think about it, you're running 150 miles per hour and you got to get down to 30 miles per hour getting into the corner so if you overstep your boundary overstep and, and cross the line as far as driving in the corner, you'll wheel hop and you either put it in the wall or you're going to have, you're going to get a penalty. So I think, um, you know, for me this weekend, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it all hang out. You know, I'm not running for points, but also you got to respect the guys running for points, but I put myself in that, in their shoes. Like that's, that's a nail biter race to, to be, you know, you got Kyle Bush, the defending champ, 21 points out. Like he's going to have to go, get stage wins, stage points, and probably win the race, you know? So there's a lot of pressure that goes into that race just with points, not counting that it's a, it's a road course, you know? So, um, and another thing, it's very hard on equipment. You know, if, if you hit a curb too much, I mean, I watched the race last night to, you know, get studied up for, for this, for this weekend, there's guys breaking track bars. Like, do you know how, like a track bar, one of the commentators said it, um, can hold 26,000 pounds of force on a track bar, and they were breaking. Multiple guys broke. So the driver has to make sure they do their job, but also there's a lot of pressure on the team to make sure every nut and bolt is perfect because it can make or break your race. So I think for those guys, a lot of pressure. So for you fans, it's going to be fun to watch. I know it is going to be for me. To, even though I'm driving, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fireworks, there's no doubt. And would you say that the Charlotte Roval is more of a wild card than any other road course? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say now, but looking at the schedule for next year, I would have said Daytona because Daytona, mm -hmm. I mean, no, I mean, a lot of NASCAR drivers, except, the, you know, the top guys 
ran have been able to run the the, the 24 hours at Daytona. But I couldn't imagine. I didn't run it this year, but I couldn't imagine just you know going into turn one and saying, "All right, green, green, green. Here you go. No practice, no nothing." So I think that was tough. But since it's you know the schedule, looking at it now, the Roval is just there's just there's not. It's very tight, very confined. There's not a lot of room, and and like I said, if you make one mistake, you're in the tire barriers. And luckily, Chase Elliott got away with one last year when he when he overdrove the corner. He hit the tires instead of the barrier, which mm-hmm. he hit the barrier, he'd been done. But he was able to at least manage and come back, and obviously he won the race. So um, I, I would I would put it it's 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 a tough race. Daytona, Talladega, and then the Roval. It's that trio right there. It stands alone for sure. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, man, thank you. Great question. Appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, John. You're up. I just want to say uh, thanks to everyone for for taking the time today. This has really been a lot of fun, and um, I'm just wondering if you have like a favorite like pre-race routine you do like the night before or, or anything like that to kind of help you get in the right uh, headspace for for the race. Yeah, yeah, no, I um I think for me, you know, I'm, I, I normally stay pretty casual, um, but I think the main thing is I, I really love to about thir- about 30 minutes before the race, I do a lot of stretching, sort of like yoga sort of stuff, like. You know, just make sure my back is stretched out, you know, kind of just loosen up a little bit because, you know, when you're in the car for four or 500 miles and, you know, five, sometimes six hours at a time, like the Coca-Cola 600, I mean, it takes a toll on your body. But the biggest thing for me is is definitely hydrating, though. I start like I'm already hydrating for the weekend. Like I started, you know, Monday. So it's just all about trying to drink like a gallon of water a day to just you know, get them fluids pumping, you know, cause you, you gotta have them because if you lose that energy and you get fatigued before the race ends, you're pretty much done. So a lot of mental, but mainly physical. Um, but I like to also, I like to stay loose as far as don't get so in my head, like laugh with my team guys, kind of goof around, have some fun, make some jokes. You know, if you're, if you're in that too serious of a mindset and you got, you put too much pressure on yourself, you're going to go out there and make a mistake. But if I tell myself, like right now, I'm going to tell myself today, like I'm going to go this weekend. I'm going to let it all hang out. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to shift some gears. I'm racing with the best in the world. Why not go out there and enjoy it? You know, because you never know. There, there's, there's no guarantees in this sport. And this weekend could be my last race. You just never know, you know, maybe getting a bad crap. You know, that's kind of the mindset is I, I treat every race like it's my last to make sure I have fun and I'm well prepared going into it to, to get the best result I can for myself, Panini, you know, my team, et cetera. So. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Cool. Pedro, you're up. Good afternoon, Mr. Gawning. How are you doing? Good, man. Hey, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. No problem. So my family are well, actually Cowboy fans. I wanted to show you nice. something. <laughs> That's what's up, dude. Love that. Love it. Okay, so I've been following your career ever since you were a teenager. And wow. how do you think your career has been going from the Krispy Kreme car winning that race at 15, racing for BK Racing, trying to run your first full-time season till now going back and forth between my comment racing this weekend and Rick Ware racing. How has your career as a whole been so far? Man, that's a, that's a great question for real. You know, um, you know, a lot of people don't really ask me that, but I like to talk about it because I, I've, I've had a, a kind of a non-traditional path. Let's put it that way. You know, I grew up, grew up in Virginia, was racing motorcycles, wanted to be a motorcycle racer, decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to try this NASCAR thing out. And and where I came from, 
I never thought I would be able to get to this level, but I can't say, you know, I got here without good people around me, but also I'm a little bit selfish about it. Cause I, I know, I know how much work I put in, like, you know, I, I show up and I, I work every day. I want to, I want to set myself from the rest. I want, I want to be in a, I want to be the next level. So I put, I've really put the hard work and effort and, and determination in the last few years, especially even in my earlier years, but I've learned so much about my career path in the last five years from where my headspace and mindset was to where I am today. You know, when I was 15, I was kind of the new hotshot kid coming into NASCAR. I was winning in everything that I was running. You know, I, I was very confident. I wasn't cocky. I was just very confident. And I, I expected myself to show up and win. And, and not saying I don't I, – I still have that mindset today, but it's a little bit different level. And, and, and how I, I'm explaining that was in K&N, I was winning, getting polls. Well, as I got a little bit older, I went to the next level. When you go to the next level and you get to the truck series, the Xfinity series, and the cup series, these guys are the best of the best. And I was a young teenager, you know. So I had to learn to – I had to learn to lose, put it that way. I had to learn to lose but also say, man, you know – why did that happen? How how can I how can I benefit and be better the next time I go? Because I don't want that guy beating me again on that same on that restart. I'm gonna do the work at home, and the next time I'm that, I'm in that situation, I'm gonna beat him. You know, so I had to I had to train myself that the higher you go, the more you're gonna lose you're 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 gonna lose more than you win. And, and that was kind of a tough thing for me. But when I got to the truck series, I ran well. Finier series ran well, but I was still super young. I was very inexperienced, and then I had the opportunity to go to Cup. Think about it. Imagine being, imagine being an 18 year old going to the NBA. You know, you, you go from kicking butt in college, but when you go to the NBA, you know, it's the, you're playing against LeBron James and Kevin Durant, the top guys, and and that's what I had to learn when I went to Cup. I learned more the first year in Cup than I've learned in my whole career because I got to watch. Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Truex Jr. I got to watch those guys, even though they were lapping me. I still got to see them for a little bit to learn and see, like, man, he he's getting in the corner this way, or, and I need to do it this way. So, um, you know, a lot of people look at my career and go, man, why did he do that? And and some people ask me, is there anything that you would change in your career? And I tell them, no. Even yeah, I would have loved to ran for Joe Gibbs or Roush Fenway full time, but it didn't happen. You know, I, I'm not gonna cry about it that's just how it happened but i can't take away how much i learned running in a very low funded car in the top series that taught me more than any year of my whole career and i feel like that's what's molded me to the driver i am today is i started from the bottom and i worked my way and and didn't quit even when a few times i'm like man i don't know i don't know if i can do this anymore getting lapped running you know 35th even though I was running good for my car, I just didn't have the car. So that's that's the main thing. I, I just learned so much, and and I wouldn't change a thing about my career. No no regrets. Awesome. Thank you so good much answer. again. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good answer, Greg. Amy, you're up. Am I here now? Yep. Yep, we can hear okay. you. Um, my question would be, uh, you know how the quarterbacks always dream about winning the Super Bowl as they're coming up through their career. Um, what race do you dream about winning, and who do you race in your dream? You know that's a that's another really it's one of those questions that you know for me it's it's very simple and very easy as far as 
the the number one thing for me growing up was I want to win the Daytona 500. You know that that's been my number one race. I want to win. You know the amount of history that we have uh, in that race, the leading up to it, and and the best drivers in the world win that race. You know, and and I remember it was like a, a small school project that I did in like the third or fourth grade, and they're like, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And and I wrote down I want to win Daytona 500. I knew right then that my sights were set on that race and, and to go out and conquer it. So um, still working on it. Hopefully in the future, you know, I can, I can get there and, and I, I won't quit until I do. But, you know, the first time I ran that race, it, it was, it really was so real because, you know, when you dream about something, like you said, a kid playing football when they're young, you know, yeah, they want to win the Super Bowl or they mm-hmm. want to play in the NFL, but it's sad to say, but it's just the reality of it. How, how many of those kids actually get to do it? You know, and, and right. I'm one of those that are, are very blessed, and, and I'm so appreciative that that I actually got to do it at such a young age. Um, you know, the biggest race in the world. So for me, I'm gonna keep working at it. Um, I think if I had, a, if I could, if I could dream it up, I would love to be racing. You know, like Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin. You know, being a fellow Virginia boy, and to like beat him by like three inches at the line, like something right. crazy. But uh, you know. To have that opportunity one day, I hope I do, but that's definitely number one on the list. Right on. Well, I'll be waiting to see it. All right. Yeah, that's absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Mason, you're up. Uh, hey, what's up, Gray? Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, my question is, so there's rain in the forecast for Charlotte this weekend. How do you think you'll handle possible weather at the Roble? You know, we were just – I had a competition meeting at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. It's kind of – what we do is we have like a pre-race meeting. All the drivers get on the phone. We watch film together. Um, we were just literally just talking about that a little while ago. It's like if that does happen, so, some of the guys are like, no, nah, I hope – to me, I hope I hope it happens. I hope it rains and like until you can't see. Like I, I want it to rain hard because I, I grew up racing legend cars in the rain. You know, when it would rain – I feel like I was so confident. I was more confident in the rain than just as good as I was when it was dry. So I think the reason why is, you know, racing for a small organization, it evens the playing field so much. And, and a lot of guys don't even have rain experience. I would, you know, you would think, but I got a little bit of rain experience in a car. Uh, obviously it wasn't a stock car, you know, it was a little legends car, but I, I think the coolest part is it's all about throttle control. It's all about, acting like there's an egg laid under that throttle and trying to get as much traction as you can. And I think growing up racing flat track motorcycles, I always learned that throttle control. And it was always like programmed in my brain that when you're spinning the tires, that's bad. But if you're going slower to go faster, that's what works. So like I said, I hope it pours all day and I think it'll be great for the fans. We've, we haven't seen a, a, a rain NASCAR race in, you know, 10 plus years, you know, we'll, we got rain tires ready, but, my engineer was looking at the forecast. It's like 70% on Sunday and 60 on Saturday. So we might, I might be racing two races in the rain. So um, it, it definitely, it's going to throw a, a horseshoe to all the guys. But uh, like I said, for my team and, and what we got working, I, I hope it does. All right, sweet. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thank you. Good question. Appreciate it. Lee, you're up. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Um, you mentioned uh, stretching and doing yoga before a race to kind of get you in a calm state of mind. Um, 
I am wondering if you ever do get nervous before a race. Oh man, man, I tell you, sometimes I, um, I've always had like butterflies. I, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing that you you got the butterflies working. I've, I, I don't know. I wish I could train myself to not get so hyped up for a race. Like I, I mean, there's some like some race days. I get in a mindset where like, I can't even eat. Like I'm, I'm I, cause I'm, my mind is just thinking, I'm thinking about everything. Like, like after qualifying and, and I sit, I, I kind of think about the first corner of the race. My mind's just doing so many things. And I think that's what caused me to get nervous, but it's, it's kind of weird. I get so nervous before a race, but as soon as I sit in that car and I strap in, it's like, I, I'm, I'm the happiest guy in the world. I cannot wait to fire that engine get everything, put my gloves on, strap in. Um, so I think for me, it's a good thing because I always, I always like tell my brain, like there's a lot riding on this race. You know, like I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I really do. Cause I, I expect to compete at a high level because I put so much into it. This is my life. You know, this is what I think about on a daily basis and this is what I work for. So I think that's another reason why I get so nervous is because I put so much pressure on myself and, and the only person I'm trying to please and, 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 and get up to my standard is myself in the mirror. You know, I wake up every day to to how am I going to be better than yesterday? You know, I, I, I and I think that's that's the reason why that I catch myself like I mean, I'll, I'll get out after qualify. I'll be shaking, you know, but it's, it's good. It's good nerves. You know, it's not like I'm throwing up so nervous, but it's for good reason. But like I said, as soon as as soon as I hear that spotter say, all right, man, go ahead and fire it up. Gentlemen, start your engines. It's like it's like a light switch now laser focus that's where i go every time it's it's time to get down to business awesome good stuff well guys everyone thank you for uh jumping in and, and joining here gray we're, we're wishing you luck on uh saturday night and sunday of course uh looking thanks, forward man. to that uh thanks for taking the time today so that was the interview with panini with that they put on for the fans q a it was awesome Thanks again to Panini for doing that. They have done a couple with Greg Galding. They have done one with Cole Custer as well. Can't say enough about how Panini helps the fans get closer to the drivers uh, with these Zoom calls. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. Please share the podcast and leave a review. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week after the Roval, the playoff reduction from 12 to 8. And we'll see who gets bumped out of the playoffs and who continues on to get to that final four for Phoenix. See you next week. Thanks for listening.